People are very loyal to their societies. People are very invested in their societies. And, you know, certainly well beyond the education, so much happens face-to-face in terms of holding committee meetings. I know you all have this, leadership gatherings, gatherings that we have with international global societies that travel and make that effort to come to our meeting to not only engage in the education, but to have discussions about advancing the specialty on a global level. Those are things that are very difficult to replicate in the virtual environment. And I think that if you would ask the four of us what our biggest concerns are in terms of putting together virtual meetings is how you establish that. How do you continue to do that important work of volunteers? How do you continue to recognize people appropriately for lifetime accomplishments and awards? Um, and have that interaction, uh, even between our staff. Hi, I'm Dr. Steve Elias, and welcome to the Vain Podcast. Respect the elders, embrace the new, and encourage the improbable and impractical without bias. Welcome, everyone, uh, once again to the Vain Podcast with Dr. Steve Elias, sponsored by uh, Radcliffe Vascular. Our Motto, of course, is respect the elders, embrace the new, encourage the improbable and impractical without bias. And uh, that's what we, we try to do. Uh, this podcast is something, again, that a year ago, none of us probably thought we'd even have a podcast to discuss something like this. Uh, but we've entitled it uh, Brave New World 2021. And we're going to talk about the challenges to uh, society meetings. Uh, we've had some podcasts in the past of non-societal meetings, such as the uh, uh, Venus uh, Symposium, Expert Venus Management, uh, International Vein Congress, Charing Cross, uh, etc. But society meetings have a, a different uh, challenge uh, than, than non-societal meetings. And, and with us today is uh, Ken Slaw, everybody's, I'm assuming, the executive director of their respective uh, organizations and societies. So Ken Slaw is uh, from Society of Vascular Surgery, Dean Bender from the American Vein and Lymphatic Society, John Forbes from the American Venus Forum, and Erica Holland from the Society of Interventional Radiology. And everybody here either is specific to vein disease or has a large portion of their um, meetings about vein disease. And, and, and meeting just doesn't have to be about vein disease, but um, and most of the questions are not about veins in particular, but about the challenges of, uh, of societal meetings uh, during, during this time. Um, Aldous Huxley uh, wrote the book, Brave New World, back in 1932. And it was really about a uh, dystopian society. I had some idea what dystopia meant. It comes from the Greek, but I'm not going to say I knew what it meant. And I, I kind of looked it up. And it's really a community or society that is undesirable or frightening. And I think we all might agree that the state we're in for our meetings now is not what we desire. And at times can be um, somewhat uh, frightening as well. So, Ken, when was the last time the SVS had a 100% live meeting? In-person live meeting. Yeah, that was in June of 2019. Okay, so. we're, talking, <laughs> we're talking a while ago here. Oh, Jesus. Um, where was it? Uh, so let's see, June of 2019. I almost can't even remember, but we, we were in uh, National Harbor in uh, DC. In DC, okay. And you're glad you're not in DC now, I'm assuming, for your meeting. Well, um, it'd be exciting, but uh, yes, at this particular time, I'm glad we're not in DC this year. Okay, and um, Erica, SIR, last time? Our last in-person meeting yeah. uh, for our annual scientific meeting, our largest event was in March of 2019 in Austin, Texas. We did have a smaller program um, in January of 2020 in San Francisco, right as reports were coming in um, about the potential for a pandemic. So we, we snuck one in, but our scientific meeting was scheduled for March of 2020 in Seattle, which 
clearly being uh, one of the epicenters made it quickly evident to us that that would not happen. So uh, we, we moved to a virtual uh, after that. Yeah, no, no. And I was, I was part of that meeting and that, and that worked out fairly well, but still, I mean, the point is a long time ago. Dean. It was. Yeah. Dean, when was yours? So uh, for the AVLS, our last in-person was October, 2019. Um, and that was in Phoenix. In yeah. fact, it was your meeting. Yes, I know. Right. It was my meeting. And uh, I'm glad I didn't have to deal with a virtual one the next year. It's much easier, a live meeting. Uh, now, John, I, I saved you for last because AVF, we kind of like snuck in there. Talk, talk about the last meeting and when that meeting was. Yeah, I have, a, I have three, three quick stories. Our meeting was in Amelia Island, March 3rd to March 6th this year. Uh, when our uh, president, in 2020. this year, uh, I'm sorry, 2020, when our president was flying, was on the airplane, flying from Baltimore to Jacksonville, he got word from his hospital that all meetings were, uh, travel to meetings was, was being canceled. He was on the way to the meeting. <laughs> same thing with our, our treasury. We had the same message from his hospital in New York that uh, all meetings were being canceled, but he was already on his way. The other quick story is while we're at our meeting, now we're at the meeting for four days. The second day, the hotel starts bringing out hand sanitizer spray bottles because it wasn't apparent to us that there was a big problem on that first day of, of our meeting, which is March 3rd. And all of a sudden this thing started to grow and climb and, and it became very visible. No, yeah. So, so I, I, and I was at that meeting also and we were kind of, we were kind of joking, semi-joking, like, you know, we didn't understand the, the seriousness of what was to come, right? right. I mean, don't you remember right. we were all walking around making, making kind of funny right. comments? Right. And, and one of our, our keynote speaker um, uh, was trapped. He was, he's from Cyprus, Greece. And when he was flying back from Florida, he had to go through England and couldn't get out of England for almost three months to get home. This is Dr. Nicolaides. So uh, we've all had those experiences. I haven't heard of anybody from that meeting who contracted COVID, <laughs> except for me. <laughs> oh, really? About a month ago. <laughs> oh, well, that's a month ago. Oh, not related to the meeting. No, no. Unrelated. <laughs> no, so, so the, point, the point of this, I mean, we've really been dealing with this a long time now. And um, so, so Ken, your first virtual meeting then, when, when was that? So uh, that was uh, June of 2020. Um, <clears throat> so we were um, uh, planning, you know, uh, as everybody was to uh, make a pivot uh, as, as quickly as we could once we realized that there was no chance that we were gonna be able to have a face-to-face -face meeting in June. Of course, at that time, you know, this was all new to us and, Everyone was trying to, to learn and figure out what was going on, but uh, we actually uh, formally made the decision uh, mid-March uh, that uh, we were going to have to go to a full virtual uh, annual conference. So we had 60 days to take the annual conference in its entirety as a live event, pivot, and uh, create the, the platforms and deliver it virtually uh, in June. Yeah, so, so keep that thought in mind as we go, go forward. Um, and Erica, yours was, was really in March 2020. So you yeah, were- so we um, in, mm -hmm. in early March had those really serious conversations with our leadership about what we needed to do. Obviously the way things unfolded, um, our course was pretty clear we needed to cancel, but we certainly had all of our members, faculty, attendees, corporate partners, uh, to contend with in terms of how we would resolve the physical meeting to um, get everything squared away there, make sure all the communications went out. So we actually did, after all of that was settled, uh, pivoted to a virtual meeting a few months later, which was much abbreviated uh, because we just, we wanted to make sure that we were preserving getting the best science out and content for our members. But 
much more abbreviated than if we would have potentially met later in the year. So we really focused our attention on getting that content out and then retooling ourselves for the coming year, knowing that in March of 2021, we would likely be virtual, moving our concept to virtual and starting to plan for a full-fledged meeting, uh, which is what we're on the cusp of now. So much abbreviated, but um, what we could do at the time uh, with the resources available after having to cancel the full meeting with such short notice. Yeah, now Steve, Dean, we'll go Steve, ahead. Can I, I make a quick comment here? Because um, uh, the, uh, the executive directors and, and those of us that lead medical societies are a pretty tight knit group and we communicate and support each other. And, uh, you know, SIR was one of the first to, to have to make this pivot. And, um, and one of the amazing things is uh, they were so transparent in sharing what they were going through and the decision-making processes and the stresses that it, it really helped every medical society that came after <clears throat> to sort of build from their experience and for all of us to figure out what to do. So I just wanted to take this moment to, to give kudos to SIR and, and that transparency and, and let you know that how, how important this support and this network is that we all have with each other. Yeah, no, no. And, and I think that's great for everybody to, to understand that in general societies, are, you guys are not competing with each other, you're, you're supporting each other. And certainly this brought everybody you know, together. Uh, and Dean, you know, you had a little more luxury and obviously I was involved with that meeting as well, but you had a little more luxury to, to think sure. about. Well, and, and, and to build on actually, you know, Ken, your, your comment, um, which, which is tremendous, um, you know, mid-March, of course, I came back from the AVF meeting going, oh crap, you know, what are we gonna do? And uh, so we immediately declared, you know, October, who knows, Will this follow the typical flu cycles? Summer kind of dissipate maybe by October before we get back into that, you know, November, December flu season type seasonality that we've seen historically. Um, you know, we said, hey, we'll go hybrid, right? Begin preparing for the virtual, but hold on to the hope of a live meeting. Um, and the nice thing as we went through that, and, and by the end of June, you know, it was 100% obvious you know, this wasn't going to happen, that the, the pandemic, the COVID was going to react um, differently than, than we had hoped. Um, and we declared 100% virtual. But by that time, we were ready. Um, but the nice thing was, you know, actually sitting and observing the things that SIR went through, SVS went through, other societies, um, other meetings that went virtual, and, and kind of looking and learning of what worked, what didn't. And so, you know, trying to make sure that we addressed those things and probably the, the biggest luxury that we had wasn't only the platforms and getting that ready, but it was really the ability to communicate. You know, we were able to set up and establish communication meetings, webinars with our corporate, you know, exhibitor base and share with them, this is what we're doing, how to do it and give them time to prep and think. So yeah, we felt, hey, you know, we're, we're in a great position being in October to have, you know, at that time from the initial March, almost five, six months to to prepare for a hundred percent virtual meeting. So, so John, I'm I'm going to skip you to to talk about that. I want to ask you the beginning of the next question. Um, when do you think ABF is going to have their next in-person meeting? Well, um, we have two courses planned for later this year. One we think will be in June and one will be in September. We think both of those will be virtual. Uh, the next contracted meeting we have is in Orlando next uh, March. Uh, so that is, uh, that's, we're contracting for a live meeting, but we have a thing in our contract that will, we may have to adjust depending on how things go during the year. Um, that, that's a year from now. So Erica, do you think March of 2021, you're shooting for that? So, well, March I mean, of- no, no, 2022, 2022. I, I know what you meant. You know, I think we're, we're all very hopeful, um, but we're cautious. 
we've gotten as far as confirming through the end of this year that we're not planning any in-person events. Um, it's an interesting question as well because our March 2022 meeting happens to be planned for Toronto. So we're going to have to, you know, keep our eyes on what those relationships look like, keep apprised, you know, with the Convention Visitors Bureau and others just to see what type of regulations go into place. I don't think any of us know for sure, but we remain very cautiously optimistic that that will come to pass. But we're certainly, you know, talking with our leadership on a regular basis and really taking it month by month in terms of, of how we look at the future. I know we all want to get back to it. Um, it's forced us to look at things a different way and maybe seize some new opportunities, but um, an additional layer of complexity there uh, because we would be crossing a border. So watching that carefully. So, so nobody here is thinking anything's happening in 2021 for this, your societies. Dean? Oh. Dean? Well, go ahead, Ken, you. I'm talking no, no. about the annual meeting. I'm not talking about smaller things. Right. So the, the, the SBS VAM vascular annual meeting uh, was scheduled uh, June 2nd yeah. through the 4th this year in San Diego. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, with the stars aligning and a lot of heavy lifting, we were able to, uh, to move the meeting lock, stock and barrel from June to the uh, end of August uh, in San Diego. Uh, without any penalties or any issues, uh, working very closely with the convention center and, and the hotel. So we are hoping with the vaccine rollout, particularly uh, stressing healthcare professionals, that at least our members will be mostly vaccinated uh, by the end of August. Uh -huh. And we're at least hopeful that we'll have some type of component of live meeting. Uh, we don't think anything near normal, but there's a tremendous thirst and drive for our members. Uh, something I haven't sensed before in them, you know, to, to crawl through glass to get to, to a live meeting. And I think if there's any way to do it safe, we're gonna try to have as much of a live event as we can in August. Okay, so we're August. So Dean. Okay, so yeah, from ABLS, of course, you know, we're, we're our, our annual meeting is October. Um, we're scheduled to be in Denver, Colorado. And uh, so we're actually moving forward with in-person um, intentions. Um, of course, more in a hybrid, meaning there will be a virtual attendee with live stream capability, et cetera, um, in that. However, Again, at this point, we're looking at, and we don't actually open registration until the 1st of April, so we still have time to see what happens and, you know, we can always, always change direction a little bit if need be. But our intention currently is to open that meeting with a limited in-person attendee capacity. And that's based on the rooms that we have contracted, assuming a six by six kind of, you know, spreading and all of that. So a meeting that would normally you know, have somewhere between 800 to 900, 950 attendees, not including our exhibitor. Um, you know, we're looking to open it up and say, look, a max of 475, you know, uh, clinical attendees can come to this meeting, um, you know, and then everybody else would be virtual. And then if things progress in a positive manner, hopefully, you know, by May or June, we could open that, you know, limit up if, if demand is out there to do that. Um, but at the same time, you know, with what we've done in 2020, the mechanisms that we have in place, the platforms, all of that, to make a decision to go 100% virtual, we're prepared to do that um, oh. as well. And that'll be an easy pivot, you know, and, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll know enough by the end of March before we actually open, you know, registration to, to really make a declaration one way or the other. I really would like to avoid what happened last year where you're registering for in-person and then you flip and now it's 100% virtual and, 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 and all of those things. But, but that's our intention is, is October to have a portion of the attendees in person. So, so I mean, and, and I think all of us, I mean, because obviously I run some non-societal meetings, we do feel very comfortable if we have to pivot. We had an idea that we're going to be alive, that we can just go back to virtual because we've been through it. 
So that's not as much of an anxiety producing uh, event as, as it was the first time around. But can you bring up something that I'm, I'm actually quite surprised about in that you're saying there's a thirst to, to be live? I mean, one of the questions I have here is why should, and John, you jump in on this first, why would somebody want to be at a live meeting now? Not now. Why, with what we've gone through and what we know we can accomplish with not physically being there, why would a member want to take more time off than they, they would for a virtual meeting, pay more than they would for a virtual meeting for hotel and travel, and let's even take the risk out regarding a, a, a you know, getting COVID, why, I was thinking the opposite of what you're saying, Ken, I thought we're going to have trouble in the next year or so getting people to come back to a live meeting. So John, just yeah. the positive and negatives, we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, the socialization aspect of medical professionals is very significant. Um, so to be together and to be at receptions and be in, you know, past presidents' dinners and, and those kinds of things is a powerful motivator. It transcends just the academic or the clinical or the learning piece of it. Uh, it becomes very, very powerful. So um, I think that the socialization aspect, the networking aspect are two big drivers why people want to be together. Now, the economics and safety factors now weigh in very significantly, so there'll be a, a balance of people going, I can't get there, I don't care about socialization. And others are gonna go, I wanna see my friends. I wanna be at that gala, I wanna network and, and, uh, and socialize. So that socialization is a very powerful driver. Yeah, so you think that's that's a driver. I mean, and, and Erica, you, I mean, the SIR, I've been there many times. I mean, it's a huge and enormous meeting. You have a lot, a lot of people coming there. More, more IRs than, than, than maybe we need in the world, but they're, they're there. So <laughs> No, we always need more IRs. <laughs> I'm kidding you, Erica. So, no. I know, but so, I, I will, you know, I will say that it, there is a community aspect and, and there probably is a, a great sense of loss um, when people can't commune together in that way. People are very loyal to their societies. People are very invested in their societies. And, you know, certainly well beyond the education, so much happens face-to-face -face in terms of holding committee meetings. I know you all have this, leadership gatherings, gatherings that we have with international global societies that travel and make that effort to come to our meeting to not only engage in the education, but to have discussions about advancing the specialty on a global level. Those are things that are very difficult to replicate in the virtual environment. And I think that if you would ask the four of us what our biggest concerns are in terms of putting together virtual meetings is how you establish that. How do you continue to do that important work of volunteers? How do you continue to recognize people appropriately for lifetime accomplishments and awards? Um, and have that interaction, uh, even between our staff and the volunteers and the members. It's a very important connection point for us uh, to be able to have that sense of community. So we know it's difficult to do that in the virtual environment, but you know, more so than just delivering the didactic education, presenting all of the really critical science, it's building that community and maintaining that connection between all the moving parts that make societies run. And that's really what we're trying to do. Um, and we're experimenting and we'll maintain that transparency that Ken alluded to earlier, because I think we all need to learn from each other and what works um, and what doesn't, but it does promote that, you know, spirit of innovation, spirit of in experimentation, pilot some things and, and share best practices. If I, if I can add on to that, Steve, um, in fact, I just had a conversation with one of my uh, uh, team members uh, on our staff this morning, thinking about, you know, what a societal meeting may look like. Um, one of the nice things coming out of October was, right, you know, of course, everything was live streamed, and, and we ran a, you know, a comprehensive meeting, and it was over 80 hours of, you know, CME credit on a virtual or on-demand basis. And we saw a lot of people come back, take advantage of that after the fact. 
and coming back and tying that to this, this drive for socialization, interaction, and peer-to-peer -peer learning and discussion, um, you know, what we discussed about, I mean, and this was just six hours earlier today, um, of incorporating into our next in-person meeting and going forward, the opportunities to actually drive that kind of whether small group interaction, you know, and in, in, in informative discussion, not just the social having, you know, a cocktail together, that kind of thing, but, but in a formalized manner, because the actual, um, you know, scientific content, things that we get out can always be picked back up now in the future in an on-demand basis, right? I want to see, a, you know, this great lecture from Steve Elias. I can watch that at another time. But while we're together, having that opportunity to sit with five other peers and talk about cases and this and that and what the latest is. And so I, I, I think we're going to start to see coming out of this may even be some different approaches to what we do on the ground in an in-person meeting to really emphasize the peer-to-peer -peer interactions, knowing we can pick up the scientific content digitally after the fact on a non-demand basis. Yeah, no, and, and I think and I think that's good. And that's what engages people, you know, in a in a virtual. It's it's a lot of it is listening to people interacting, you know, together. And if they're going to be live, and then obviously you guys know, I mean, the meetings that that in general I run, expert Venus management and, and Venus Symposium is a, that that is the basis. It's all that interactive. It's not a didactic uh, lecture. And I think that's what engages people because none of us want to sit here watching some PowerPoint presentation about, you know, God knows, God knows what. Um, so, so Ken, let's shift a little bit because we've had a lot of issues uh, in, in the podcast I did with the non-societal meetings. Uh, we spoke a lot about this, and and we, as we all know, industry supports us in in a huge way, and and there's been an, a lot of challenges that we all had in convincing industry what their return on their investments going to be in a virtual or going forward in a hybrid meeting. So, so talk to me a little bit about what you've heard from industry, Ken, that they might want, what they didn't like that was done, and, and how are you addressing that to, to, to give our big supporters, you know, their stage, so to speak, that they get in person much more than virtually? Well, um, I think it's fair to say that, that there isn't much they liked at all <clears throat> about that uh, virtual format. Um, they... they uh, love the, the live interaction. Um, they are uh, pining more than maybe our members are <laughs> to get back to uh, a time when, you know, we could get back to some semblance of, of business as usual. However, um, you know, understanding that the new normal or the new reality is probably not going to be with us for a while and we're going to be reshaping the new normal in some type of hybridized environment uh, or, or something new that we have yet created. Um, I actually think industry is going to challenge us to really think out of the box about how to engage them in new innovative ways uh, to uh, create these opportunities for interaction, to create these opportunities to engage differently. Um, you know, we, we had uh, private meetings with our 14 biggest uh, sponsoring uh, uh, companies uh, at our meeting to have lengthy discussions about this. So the, the truth is they all did step up because they love the society they, they love our members, you know, um, they want to continue to engage and they want us to be successful, but there is a return that they've got to show in order to maintain that level of, uh, of engagement. And so I think we all went through sort of round one beta testing of, of virtual environments. And we had digital exhibit halls and we had lots of opportunities for them to sort of uh, contribute digitally. At, at least in our evaluations, it fell pretty flat in terms of members getting there and in terms of industry really um, getting what they were looking for. So they've challenged us to start to think about things like 
maybe it shouldn't all be about the annual conference. We ought to think about more of a year-round strategy of engaging and reaching members. Maybe we ought to think about our learning management systems and finding new ways to put programming out there to have a bigger presence and recognition of industry and, and what we're doing. So I think, you know, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And this is a crucible right now. I think Erica mentioned it earlier. As horrible as this has been to live through, and as we're navigating our way through, I can't help but believe we're all going to be coming out of this with a tremendous sense of innovation and yeah. creativity and new ideas going forward, including how we work with industry to support what we're doing. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, I, I don't like to take much of the conversation. I want you guys to talk, but, but when we went with the expert Venus management and, and stuff, we innovated that there were actual commercials between each, you know, uh, segment that we had, just a, a, like a commercial on TV. You think how much they pay for a Super Bowl commercial yeah. for 30 seconds. So mm -hmm. industry got, you know, one, they didn't pay us that much. Don't worry, guys. But, <laughs> but no, my point is in 30 to 60 seconds, you can get out of information out to your members and out and out to people and and that was one thing that was kind of refreshing but you know i've had discussions i mean i've been involved obviously with avls and, and avf in terms of the program committees um john what what are, are you hearing from industry and and i want to preface this with ken you said industry is challenging us you know what we also did after some of the meetings I was running? We challenged industry. Tell us what you want also, because mm -hmm. we're partners in this. Don't just sit back and say, we don't like what you did. And now, you know, come up with something else. No, let's talk together. What do we all want to do? So John, what are you, what are you doing going yeah, forward? Um, we've, we've had the benefit, Steve, of not having had a virtual meeting yet. We've had the benefit of watching and learning others and their experiences. And so we're saying this has got to be different. We've got to find value and benefits and return that's different than what they experienced at a, at a live meeting. So we have engaged our supporters. We have several of them who sit on the board of our foundation. And so we had several sessions with them, but what can work for you? What do you need? So it's about understanding their needs and wants and not trying to take a live thing and trying to create some digital thing without asking them what would benefit your organization. So when you put your, you may save money without traveling all those parties you host and spend money on, but how can you benefit from this digital uh, virtual experience? So we've asked the question, we've got some good ideas. We've had the chance of uh, looking at others and getting, you know, uh, talking to other people. Our organization is also managed by a management firm. Uh, other, that's not like SVS, SIR, or ADLS. They have their own you know, in-house staff. And so we were able to pick the brains of our management firm. They manage 30 medical societies. And to be able to sit down and talk to those people and say, what worked? What didn't work? So we're, we're doing some learning. And, and hopefully we'll be able to bring that forward and create that value we're talking about in our meeting in about eight weeks. So let, let me, Dean, did you want to say something? Yeah, I have, I have one comment to add. And I think, you know, one of the nice things, John, and, you know, in the position is this thing kind of goes forward because, you know, having come from personally, you know, the, the for-profit corporate world prior to, you know, uh, uh, taking on this role with AVLS, sitting on the other side of that. So as we got and prepared for October, you know, we had a lot of sessions with them, talked about, and, and what I saw overall with a, with a lot of the, the traditional exhibitor supporters was kind of just a timeout, right? This thing's not going to go on forever. We're just going to kind of sit on the sidelines, see what happens. We don't believe there's going to be a huge return. And, and I didn't see a lot of them engaging as much as we tried to encourage them. You know, you're going to need to step up and look at things different as well. Um, and that's fine because they all hoped it was just going to be, you know, a short time live problem. We'll worry about it later we'll go back to normal somewhere in the future. But I don't think a, a normal is gonna happen, right? We, we started off talking about a brave new world. 
it's going to be different. And I think, Ken, the conversations you're having, John, um, as we move forward, you know, you're, you're starting to hear them go, oh, crap. You know, we've actually got to figure this out. It's not going to be the, like it was in 2019. It just isn't ever going to be that again. And, and so I think these, this innovation, as you talked about, we're going to start seeing new innovative ways of engagement and particularly as societies, you know, where we can engage them with our membership throughout the year. Um, I, I think it's going to really open up things in 2021 that we, you know, everybody kind of took the summer off. Right. In 2020, so I, definitely. I just wanted to echo, you know, what, what Ken said and a little bit of what Dean said about taking a time out and having some of these conversations. I mean, obviously our annual meeting programs are of tremendous benefit to our members and our corporate partners, but almost through this year, past year, 2020, you know, having some real conversations about what society efforts and initiatives are, what we're focused on. If you can remove for a moment talking about some of the aspects of a meeting program and really talking about on an annual basis what you're doing and having some really productive conversations around health disparities that you know everyone here who's involved in the Venus space is certainly aware of with our corporate partners, quality, research initiatives, physician wellness, what can we learn from our corporate partners about their own wellness and burnout programs, you know, these have been really, really fruitful conversations. And I think it just, it connects us in a different way. Um, and there's value there that people are seeing as well. So it's, it's been really helpful. So thank you for bringing that up, Ken, because I think it's just really critical when we start to talk about the value of our organizations with our partners beyond some of the traditional programs like our meetings. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think, you know, we, as you already said in the beginning, Erica, we have learned a lot uh, going through this this year, and with no question about it, our meetings going forward are going to be better. Uh, I think because of it, a as you said, we went through a little bit of pain, and we're just going to get better. But I think we also need to remember that um, ideas plus technologies are going to step up to make the meetings better. There are probably technologies now that we're not aware of that are going to be able to allow us to engage members and, and even for non-societal meetings better than we were able to, you know, six months or, or, or eight, eight months ago. And uh, I mean, it's, it's really, it's just been crazy uh, how it's, it's gotten so much better. What I, what I want to ask uh, also is why do we need yearly meetings? Why do we need a meeting every year? Or why do we need a big meeting every year? Why, you already brought it up, why can't it be just a rolling, ongoing, whatever? Anybody want to jump in on this? Well, I was, I was going to say, Erica, um, you know, probably you, you stated it well earlier about the whole societal aspect of, of this group's particular meetings, right? You know, we are a membership, right? We are, you know, and, and even though like our annual meeting, you know, on average is 55, 60% of the attendees are actual members, um, but it's their only chance to really engage and interact, um, you know, and, and there is a lot of aspect to, you know, coming together and just seeing friends that you've developed over, you know, years and years of being part of the society. And so I, I think, you know, it's, it's a lot of that and you know, maybe add on to that. I think we, we are steeped in tradition um, and, and part of that annual meeting and coming together and sharing of science, how they all started in the beginning and in that scholarly level of, has evolved over time. There's so many celebratory aspects to an annual meeting. Um, I'm sure many of you induct new fellows of your society, you recognize your president outgoing and incoming. Um, and, you know, we just, uh, we really enjoy that community aspect, but moving forward, you know, we don't know if an annual is, is right or not, but, um, you know, that's just the way we've been operating. I don't know about others. <laughs> I think the, you know, the answer always, you know, to this is ask the members. And so I'm sure all of us, are going to be doing significant needs assessments and significant 
evaluations from our members to ask these questions. Um, there, there, you know, there are reasons to have an annual conference. The SBS, for example, is is the annual debut of the world's, you know, foremost research. Uh, advancing, you know, a vascular surgery. And so there's a research cycle and a presentation cycle. And the annual conference for, for the VAM is, is sort of the coming out party for all the newest late-breaking research uh, in, in, the, uh, in, in the specialty. That being said, I'll bet you anything that... Um, of all the programming that goes on at all of our annual conferences, think of all the programming that doesn't make it onto the program and the platform and the opportunity to extend our annual conferences to really become annual events, right? Year round, you know, education that leads up to an annual conference, but also has content extenders that last throughout the rest of the year. Um, and so these are all things that I think, as you pointed out, Steve, that we're learning. The technologies are creating opportunities. I can tell you, when we did our June 2020, uh, you know, SVS online virtual, the vendors were struggling to, to keep up with what we needed to do. What they're doing now, just a year later, they've caught up. The technology's caught up. They're getting better. They're getting better and better at producing these meetings. So, you know, I really do think that these new technologies are going to create the vision and platform for a different concept of annual conference, truly annual conference that yeah, yeah, lasts yeah. all year round. But, but what I'm hearing from all of you, and, and as we're distilling this down, is um, you can get out didactic content virtually. That's not that hard to do. And as Dean already pointed out, people can come back and visit it and stuff. It's the this, this social aspect, the human interaction aspect with your, with your members that is hard to create virtually. So perhaps the annual meeting, a lot of the work is done before the physical annual meeting in terms of getting out the data, the information, but then the annual meeting becomes the social aspect of it, coupled with a little bit of, you know, highlight of, of, um, of the scientific things. But it's more this is because you need an identity uh, as you don't just need a, an online identity. You need a physical identity that you know what people look like and people like to talk to other people and stuff like that. So perhaps going forward, we're not going to replicate exactly a virtually a in-person meeting. We're going to create the in-person meeting is going to have a different goal. And the, the passage of information, the great majority is going to be virtually, but the goal when everyone's together is going to be, I want to see what you look like. And I want to talk to you, you know, in, in a physical sense. And, and maybe that is where this is heading because I don't see people taking off a full week anymore to get information, honestly. I think they've, they've seen the advantage of, go ahead, Dean. You, you yeah, I, no, I, was gonna, I was gonna add on to that and, and, and basically say and, and agree with you that when it comes to the, the traditional didactic content, right? You know, they're not, and, and I think, you know, a lot of our annual meetings and what we've learned is that's not the whole reason they go, right? And, you know, it's an important factor. It's kind of that I get my certificate, I get my hours, I keep my CME up, all of that's great, dandy, fine. And now I can do that just as well digitally. So I don't need it for that aspect. And I think you're, you're dead on that the culture of the meeting, the, the, the climate of the meetings will, will begin to change. If I can add one other comment to this, um, uh, just, just to point out that it's not all social, that research on yeah. CME demonstrates clearly that translational learning in transitioning from 
content to practice occurs in the hallways, occurs yeah. around the dinner tables. And so our annual live meetings may become translational events mm -hmm. where you're how, right. How do you promote the organic nature of the scholarly discourse that comes up around the programming in the virtual environment? Right. And whether we return to in-person meetings, online, hybrid, somewhere in between, we have to find ways to talk about and implement ideas to promote that organic discussion in the virtual world. Because I think that's what we're, we're struggling with when we talk about the social aspects of the meeting. Those are the most difficult to replicate, but the ones that we must pay the most attention to. Um, and I, I think those are those conversations we're having peer-to-peer -peer right now among leaders of these organizations, both staff and physician, to try to promote, because I 100% can agree with what you just said. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that's that's great. And and so so one thing that you brought up already, Erica, at the beginning uh, regarding, and, and Ken, you echoed it, was the um, transparency and the cooperation. And, and I think if, if going forward, all of you, which you will do, can share you know, what works at everybody's meetings, because none of you are truly, no one's really competing with anybody else in a way. We'll have our own members and things like that. Uh, it, it'd just be a better experience for everybody. And for, for those of us organizing meetings, those of people coming to meetings and stuff and, and see where we head. Uh, to me, when I'm, I'm, I'm kind of ending this here, I'm distilling things down. Um, it, clearly, we're not going back to a full live meeting it's clearly going to be a hybrid meeting going forward at some point. Some people are a little optimistic it's going to happen in this year. I'm not that optimistic, um, but that's fine if we're talking in, in, uh, in 2022. Lastly, everybody think about this. If there was one thing you had complete control over for your next meeting, what is it that you would want to make sure happens. Let's take five seconds before I like just jump on somebody because the first person is going to have a harder time than, than <clears throat> anybody else. So, John. I'll go first. I think it's, um, I'll call it the term is ease of use, but the seamless ability to use technology easily because it's not always easy. Sometimes these Zoom calls don't work. Sometimes that platform fails that you work so hard to produce, something happens. Sometimes the internet in someone's home doesn't work fun function very well. So it's that seamless technology that make, can make this work. We've got to find a way to make that better using technology to create this knowledge and transfer of knowledge better. You know, we didn't know what Zoom was a year ago. Right. Look, what, look where Zoom is today. So think about the, the impact of technology is making our lives easier and better. The second comment real quick is the is the, the, the executive directors are in a key role, right? The ability for us to, to share with each other. One of my best learning experiences ever in my leadership journey is when I'm sitting with my, my counterpart and we're talking the truth to each other. What happened? How do we make it better? So I think this group here, you brought us together is, is a powerful group to, to share that information going forward. So Ken, what is the one thing you, you want to make sure well, so, you know, it used to be that for our annual conferences, it was a conference that those that, that for those that attended and those that couldn't attend didn't take part of the experience. So what I would, if I could wish for one thing yeah. is that we could move into a position where when we have the VAM every year, the entire membership is engaged in some way. We now have the technology. So it's not just those that can make it there, but we could reach out and connect every other member that couldn't make it to engage in some meaningful way. And I think that would be awesome. Erica. I would say just very simply because our Full virtual meeting program is coming in March of this year. And if I had one hope for that meeting program in its virtual is we, all of us attend professional 
meetings of some sort. We have our own professional meetings as society executives. And the whole goal is to leave that meeting feeling reinvigorated, renewed, recharged, and excited. And if we're able to do that for our members in this full virtual meeting, then I would say we've met all of our goals for this meeting. And Dean, I can either skip you or I can, well, let's just skip Dean. What the heck? No, 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 don't. no it's fine. Um, thinking about 2021 in one of these meetings, we talked about this hopeful, you know, for October, probably the biggest thing between now and then that, you know, we kind of need to see happen. And, and when we were talking, you know, offline before we started this uh, group discussion a little bit, you know, this ambiguity of what's really happening with the vaccine rollout, where will it be? Right. We're having to make so many assumptions that we have no control over. And, and, you know, ultimately, what will, you know, our government authorities, you know, put in place? And, and the sooner, I mean, that I can get a clear direction, you know, I mean, you know, are things going to change in June, July? And, and we just don't know. And, and, and so, you know, Ken, you mentioned about discussing with the hotel, making the move you guys were able to make. Well, we're in October. Yeah, they're not having those discussions with us right now. Right, because you know the, the the other side of the contract wants this to happen more than we do, right? Kind of thing. And, but the ambiguity—if we can just get a very clear path on what the vaccination is going to look like—we um, know most of our attendees will be vaccinated by then. But what about support staff, right? What about exhibitor staff? What about you know? We have no idea at this point, other than a lot of very loose promises coming. And so you know, if I could get clarity on that one issue of what will we be able to do? Is it six by six? Is it three by three? Is it you can only have 10 people in a room, right? I, you know, and, and then we can make some very clear decisions and move forward. So 2021 is going to be, you know, we don't know. Uh, I mean, kind of, you know, we're, we're still we're still learning, but we're getting much better. And uh, all of you, I'm assuming, feel much more comfortable with your next meeting than you did with your first meeting during during this, and 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 all of us are. And and I think I think attendees are feeling more comfortable as well. They understand the rules of engagement now better than they did, you know, a year ago. So I think I think that's really really good. But it still is a brave new world. It's still a world in transition, and and we're going to see where it goes. But um, I hope the people listening understand that those people who are the administrators of societies are not just, you know, looking at, at numbers and pushing things around. They're actually thinking about the experience of, of the members. And, and I think you guys really brought that out uh, really, really well uh, tonight. So I, I just, I want to thank you for that. It's a lot of food for thought. Most importantly, anybody who's a member of any of these societies, you got to attend it in one way or the other, however it's going to be. And uh, that's what makes us uh, go forward. So again, thank you uh, all very, very much for, for this. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. Always so, great to see everybody. Yeah, guys, really. Look nice. forward when we can do it in person. Yeah, that will be nice, right? Hi, <laughs> right, everybody. See you. All right. Good night, guys. Thanks, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's Vein podcast in association with Radcliffe Vascular. We aim to bring you important topics from the Vein world, either topics that we ourselves feel are important or you, our listeners, feel are important. So review us on your favorite podcast app or send your thoughts, comments, and questions to podcast at Radcliffe with an E-group.com. That's podcast at Radcliffe-group.com. You can also register to access newsletters, videos, and peer-reviewed journal articles. Thank you. Glad you listened. This is Dr. Steve Elias, and we'll see you on the next Bain podcast. Bain.